Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are digging into the digital revolution that is changing, improving, but certainly altering every facet of our lives here, both personally and professionally. And sometimes you find it's hard these days to distinguish which is the personal, which is the professional. So great mind in all of this digital transformation, the new digital world we're in, and what goes into making all that stuff happen is our good friend, Wayne Saden. Wayne is an advisor to CEOs and to boards of directors on digital strategy and how to make sure that they're taking the best things they have from the past, pulling them into their new digital future. Wayne, thanks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. It's always a pleasure to see you. Hey, good morning, Bob. As always, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to talk to you about all the cool stuff going on in the world. Good. And Wayne, uh, in a, a week or so, we're going to be working together on the uh, Industry Cloud Battleground. I'm delighted that uh, you're going to be able to be there and share some of your ideas. That's terrific. I, th I think what you're doing is terrific with the Battleground. I think it's great that with all of the misinformation spread about the cloud and about the cloud players, to get everybody in a room and let us hear what they're thinking, let us hear their strategy, let us hear their a way of approaching the world, it's going to be invaluable to people who think, what is this cloud? Or what am I choosing from? And so I think it's a wonderful thing and a timely thing, and I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. Good deal, good deal. So Wayne, uh, you've always got some interesting things to talk about here, but I, it looks today like you know, you're taking a good, long, hard look at some of these cybersecurity threats, what that means and how companies should address them. Yeah, you know, we talk about digital transformation most of the time, and remember, uh, this is a conversation for C-suites and boards primarily. And we talk about the future and all the great things we can accomplish. And last week, or last month rather, we talked about the Colonial Pipeline hack as it was in the news. Well, you know, since then, we've had a few more. And since then, the news media has gotten even more pumped up. And since then, I I'm a little angry because I've heard more jargon and misinformation and just nonsense sp spouted by the technical folks saying, oh, this is much more complicated and much more confusing and we need lots more money and blah, blah, blah. And it's time we kind of cut to the chase and, and talk to boards and C-suites and gave them a 20, 30 minute education on what they need to understand where we are. Uh, it's time we talked about that because it's so easy to hide behind the, well, it's technical, it's complicated. But I'll say this uh, to board members particularly, uh, you have duties. And so you've got um, a duty of care, which means under the law, oh, disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I am studying for the board certification exam from NACD. Uh, the lawyers briefed us you've got a duty to understand enough to discharge your duties to the shareholders. So if you don't have enough knowledge of cybersecurity and systemic risk, are you really maintaining that duty that you owe the shareholders of the company? And that's a question I want you to start with, and then we can dig a little deeper into this. Yeah. Well, Wayne, it's, it's interesting. I think the, uh, you take always a, it's a nice combination of vision and pragmatism on some of these things. Right. And, you know, whether it's the sky is falling or uh, the things that you're describing here today, like it's technical, you will never understand it, but just give us more money and, you know, we'll do the best we can. It just doesn't work. So uh, you're training uh, initially as an engineer, you moved into IT, you've been a CIO, a CDO, uh, a COO. So you, you sort of get the whole big picture here. So Wayne, from that, you know, uh, 
high level perspective that you've got, what's the clear way forward for people trying to make decisions on this and you know, how seriously do they take it all? But at the same time, how do they make sure that uh, the approach they're taking is rational and it's gonna meet the challenges of care that you described so well? Yeah, Bob, uh, I think the first thing to look at is what is the implication of having one of these cyber hacks, whether it's ransomware or whether something is shut down or whether something is stolen or leaked inadvertently. And the, the problem is in our acceleration economy, as we start to take off at the speed, spending weeks or months or more putting your company back together, uh, going through the operational risk, going through the disruption, the cost, the loss of trust, we are in a consumer focused, whether you're B2B or B2C or B2B2C, it's still about reputation. And if your reputation is, yeah, those people who got hacked, yeah, those people who leaked my credit card, yeah, those people who couldn't process my transactions, this is a stain on your record. Now, I hate to say the good news is you could say, yeah, but everybody else is having it too. But quite frankly, in the acceleration economy, the challenge is to get out front not be in the middle of the pack. So I think that's the first thing. Why do we care? We care because this costs a lot of money. We care because this takes a lot of time. We care because this erodes customer trust, employee trust, and investor trust. And, and so it's not okay to say, well, we didn't think we'd be a target. We're not doing anything that important. Or we didn't really understand the ROI of a security investment. Uh, what's the ROI of your life insurance? It's either zero or infinite, essentially, depending on what happens in that premium period. So when you're thinking about making these defensive investments, you've got to be able to say, I'm making an investment to protect us from something that we don't expect to happen, and we'll try to make it not happen. But part of it is starting with understanding your risk, having a rational mitigation strategy, and then accepting the residual risk. So this is the management discussion. You've got inherent risk. This is the risk something will happen if you do nothing. This is the cost of doing something about it to prevent it or reduce its severity or recover from it. And now as a board and as a C-suite, this is the risk we can live with. I've said this before. If the nation state, uh, an enemy nation state wants to hack you, you in most cases will not resist them. If you're a government contractor, if you're a giant cloud company, that's a different rule. But if you're an average manufacturer, distribution company, small bank, if North Korea, China, Russia wants you, they will take you. Um, well, the challenge then is to what do you do about it when it happens? But so let's recognize uh, there's a John Chambers quote that I've used before. There are two kinds of companies, those that have been hacked and those they don't know that they've been hacked. So let's say it's a realistic appraisal of what we can do about things. And at the board level, at the C-suite level, I hate to say it's, it's not that hard to understand what you have to work on, what you have to focus on, and what you, and particularly management below you, has to do to make you safer. Wayne, I thought it was interesting, you know, among the various uh, excuses that are trotted out, the, the, the one you mentioned there when people say, we're not doing anything that important. Uh, I, I think perhaps, you know, the person was saying, you know, on a, a global security scale or this or that, but if you're working for some company, I would like to think that, you know, you, they, these people get the impression that my customers are important, my, my 
my fellow employees are important. This company is important. My job's important. Huh? But we get lulled uh, somehow into these uh, false senses of security or just a lack of clarity about, you know, the purpose here. I've, I've got a job. It's important. And if that happens at different levels of the company, you can see that rolling up to the board. And these people may be saying, ah, you know, there's 100,000 big companies in the world, only 3% of them got hit. There's a 97% chance we won't get hit. You know, we're going to be okay. Don't we have more important things to spend this money on? Well, yes, of course, you always can say we have more important things to spend the money on. And to my point, if somebody is targeting you, it's a very expensive process to protect yourself. But here's what happens. Like I grew up in New York City. Um, some of us grew up in New York, in a big city. You know how people broke into cars. They walked down the street trying the door handle. And guess what? Every now and then one of them opened. The car opened. And so somebody would reach in and take your valuables. Or if you're going to rob a hotel, what you do is you try all the doorknobs. And one of them turns miraculously. Or that little security latch is in the unlocked position. And you walk in. Think of crimes of opportunity. Today, the hackers are able to buy hacking as a service. You know, we talk about all the as a service products. Well, ransomware as a service is a real product. There's a real market for that. And so imagine that you're able to try 10 million doors per minute. And so what you don't want is to be the door that's ajar. Um, you know, I talk about the first thing in security is you got to have robust prevention. That's to keep the uninitiated the script kitty, to use a colloquial term, out. And remember, it's, uh, I'll make this statement. Abraham Lincoln once said that if he had three hours to chop down a tree, he'd spend two and a half hours sharpening his ax and half an hour uh, chopping the tree down. So this is where we have to be thinking. Another way, a little more gruesome to think about it, is the old joke. You know, two people being chased by a bear, person stops to put sneakers on, the other person says, you're never going to outrun the bear just got to outrun you. So don't be the company with your door ajar. Don't be the one that any high school kid can break into your system. Because even if you don't have the crown jewels, if you're not a defense contractor, if you're not a global bank, you've got to be saying my assets and particularly my customers and employees data are valuable and worth protecting. So the first thing to do is have a robust protection strategy, make it hard for somebody to come in your front door, your back door, and your side doors. So if we get into things, there are six things. That's the first one of them, Bob, is the robust prevention strategy. The other thing is to have a, a quick detection. Assuming that somebody can get in, the challenge is figure out pretty quickly that they're in your system. Where companies get into real trouble is what's called technically dwell time. Somebody breaks in and then hangs out for weeks or months stealing stuff, planting new viruses and worms and malware and so on. The key is when somebody comes into your system, get them the heck out, or at least get them detected before they can burrow in very deeply. We'll talk about a little bit about how you do it, but essentially it's when your, your system should be alert to weird behavior. Think about uh, the analogy of the real world. If you are running a grocery store, and people are coming in with trucks and putting stuff on hand carts and carrying it out the front door, maybe you'll think, that doesn't look like an average shopper. Maybe we ought to stop and question them. So when somebody comes into your system and does something unusual, you should have a system in place that says, 
this is usual, this is unusual, or if this is okay and this is okay, this and this together may not be okay. So let's go take a look. We'll talk about that when we talk about defense. Uh, the third thing is a defense in depth. Think about the old world where you had a moat around your castle. So we have this really great moat. It's full of alligators and boiling oil and the drawbridge, but we have a screen door in the back so people get in. We block the screen door. Now we have um, robust prevention. But once you're in the castle, wouldn't it be a good idea to put the treasure vault behind a couple of locks and keys? In a lot of companies, once you breach the perimeter, once you get in, you have what is known in security circles as a soft, chewy center. Once they get in, they can move laterally. They can move from place to place. If you think about the target hack that was the big famous hack, somebody came in through an accounts payable system, a billing system for contractors fixing store equipment. And they managed to hack a vendor, small company, get into target system, and then travel from the system that wrote a check for fixing the refrigerator for $647, all the way through the system to the part of the system that swiped every credit card in every Target store. Now, why would anybody want to connect those two systems? But it's just easy. Well, now we've got a secure perimeter. Don't let people in. So now we can make it convenient for people. But again, like the weird behavior, why would a system that started with pay a contractor to fix my air conditioner be looking at credit cards uh, swipes and the security that tracks zero coming off a credit card? Uh, you wouldn't. So um, you want to have a defense in depth. Make it harder once you're in to get to where the crown jewels are. Um, the next thing that's important is keep your secrets secret. Um, when you have ransomware, what happens is a couple of things. The, uh, the bad actor takes your data and encrypts it so you can't get at it, but then they threaten you. Even if you can decrypt it because you're real smart or you have a backup so you can put it back, I have your data and I will leak it and I will sell it. Look what happened to Sony. They wound up not only getting penetrated, but all of their secret emails got leaked by the bad actor. So if you encrypt your data, you are making it harder for the bad actor to take that data and use it. Yes, they can still lock you out. We'll talk about how to prevent that, but they don't have the use of that data. So keep your secrets secret. It's also best practices for a lot of reasons. Um, then have an effective repair and restoration strategy. Prepare to repel the borders. Once you've found them, how do you kick them out? I'll say this, for most companies, this is where you bring in an expert. This is where you say, I'm going to call a company that this is what they do for a living. But if you've done all those other things so far, you've kept people out. You've kept them out of the crown jewels. They haven't stole anything they can resell. You found them quickly. So now it's a lot easier to root them out. And then the last thing is don't keep all your eggs in one basket. When you're taking backups, and we're getting a little technical now, when you're taking your backups and your security stuff, take your backups and make sure that they cannot also be encrypted by the, by the bad actor. Uh, this ties into how long they're in your system. And without getting too technical, if I've got a backup of my data and it's good, and then I have 100 backups and somebody evil is in my system for 101 days, guess what? They've had time to encrypt all of my backups with ransomware. If I can catch them soon enough, then I've still got lots of backups that are good. The quicker I can find them, 
the quicker I can block them, the quicker I can take those tapes or disks or cloud backups and go, no, lock them up tight, the easier it'll be to restore my data. So six things that I can explain to you in 15 minutes that are the things that companies must do. And if you're an executive and you had trouble understanding that, listen again, because nothing I said is very technical. Uh, Wayne, it, uh, it, it really gets to the point you've made often about the qualified technical expert at the board level to have somebody who's really able to dig in on this. So that was a great list of the six what's, and uh, we'll be sure to get those in the episode notes. But Wayne, let me take a second here for a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So Wayne, that was a, again, a terrific list of the six what things that need to be done. And you've also got some ideas I believe on how. Yeah, what I talked about is the things that a board or a C-suite should be focused on. Ask your, if you're a board, ask management in the person of the CEO, the CISO, uh, the, uh, the CIO, or the chief risk officer to explain those things to you. And they should be able to talk about all of those things to you in non-technical terms. As an aside, if you're technical people, go and descend into jargon into either you'll never understand it, or let me explain it to you in technical terms, you got the wrong executives running your risk, your security, or your IT. Bob, you've heard me say this many times before. If you're a CEO or a C-suite member or a board member, and somebody cannot explain to you the nuances of what they do in a way that relates to the business you're in, you are dealing with the wrong people. Now, I'll make the statement many times, the CEO gets the CIO, Chief Risk Officer, CISO, they settle for. Don't settle today. Um, I also want to put a little disclaimer. If, if you are a CISO of a complex organization, if you work for one of the big security companies, you saw my six things and you went, yeah, but what about this sub, sub, sub case? And what about this other thing over here? And what about if you are Google? And what about if you make F-35s? Yeah, I got it. If you're an expert, we could have an offline five-hour conversation if you're a board member and you want to drill deeper, we can have that deeper discussion. But if you can't talk in simple terms, you shouldn't be talking to the executives and you shouldn't be setting the course for the company. So let's talk now about a couple of things that we should be doing specifically to achieve those six objectives. So the first one as a board and C-suite is look at systemic risk. It's not cybersecurity over here and physical security over there and process security over there, and operational security over here. It's holistic. It's systemic. It is how one part of the system relates to the other. Look, the simplest example, if you have the most wonderful security in the world on your IT stuff, but somebody can waltz into your data center, unplug your firewall, and walk out carrying it, how effective is your security really? If your plants are wide open and people could do things in them, attach bugs, sensors, wire, rewire something, how secure are you? So think about security and risk as a systemic holistic thing, not as tiny little individual discrete items. The second thing, and Bob, it's a 
theme you've heard me say for two and a half years now. Technical debt is the enemy of many, many things. And so the definition, technical debt is all the stuff you should have done to maintain your IT infrastructure and application stack since you put them in five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years ago in some companies. Your technical debt is all the stuff that puts you behind. Now, the example I gave, um, I had a CEO once that said, but my Windows XP computer still boots. What's wrong with it? And we were actually sitting by an airport and a P-51 Mustang, a World War II fighter plane landed and took off again. It was terrific. And I asked the CEO, do you see that P-51? It's landing and taking off. Now let's put it up against a modern frontline fifth generation fighter plane. Um, I learned, I, I looked them up, a Chinese J-20 Mighty Dragon, a Russian Su-57 Felon. I now know these terms because I think it's useful. But imagine trying to put your vintage fighter plane up against the modern fifth generation fighter. Your attackers are buying fifth generation fighters. You can't be flying the World War II fighter plane. Now, I'll also say technical debt has another problem that's more than just security. It gets in the way of innovation. If I am trying to bring my company forward as part of the acceleration economy, and I've got these anchors tying me to comp- overcomplicated, um, undocumented, ununderstood, unknown, um, big monolithic systems. It's dragging me when I try to move forward. So as a board, you ought to be looking not only at the cyber risk, but at the risk of not being able to innovate, which is a much more difficult and much more expensive for most companies challenge. If you can be airbnb or Ubered out of existence, Uh, your cybersecurity posture may not be that relevant because you're going to lose in the end. So the next thing is stop thinking of a perimeter defense. The old line thinking in IT was we had a data center in the middle, this big building we built, we owned, and had our mainframes in it. And then everybody had a terminal that connected into that thing. And then we built this perimeter around our company, firewalls or whatever you want to call it. And we said everything inside it was friend and everything outside it was faux. Uh, There was a thing called the Maginot Line the French built. And what did the Germans do? They went around it in Belgium and it was a great investment and was outflanked. And so think about the today's environment. The center of my IT is not a mainframe in a building I own. It's 500 cloud apps in 500 buildings I've never seen. It's that handheld device. It's the bulldozer, it's the spaceship. It's the car I'm selling. It's the product in every consumer's hand. So we got to stop thinking about a perimeter. If you hear firewalls or you hear outside and inside, stop your security people and ask them to rethink that whole discussion. So a couple of words that boards and C-suites should know, zero trust. Zero trust are the two most important words in cybersecurity. And what it means is, instead of giving you the key to a building and saying, once you're inside, the building is yours. Ask the question. If you are the maid in the hotel, what should you have access to? If you're the accountant in the hotel, what should you have access to? If you are a guest in the hotel, what should you have access to? So what you're doing with zero trust is saying, I treat every relationship as untrustworthy. If I, Wayne, am an IT person, I should be able to do certain things in the system. 
If you're a payroll clerk, you should do other things in the system. The old definition of security was Wayne could get to the payroll system. Okay, but Wayne now can do anything Wayne wanted. If you think about ransomware, let's go back to SolarWinds for a minute. So what SolarWinds did as, as a product is lets you look at your network. I've got this computer, I've got this printer, I've got this server. Hey, look, they're performing well. Why is SolarWinds reading the contents of data files? Why would it ever need to know what's inside of a spreadsheet? So if your security said that program A is in the security business for my network, why is it in my file directories reading data? Or why is it sending data out of my file system into the cloud? You'd say, that doesn't make any sense. So your system ought to be, be built as a zero trust environment. I say, this person has these roles, this device has these capabilities, and therefore they can get this data and use it in this way. If we build a zero trust environment, which I don't want to minimize it. It's not something you buy a product, pop it in, and you're done. You have to understand that Bob can get to this data to do this with it, but Wayne can get to this data to get to it different, to use it differently because of our jobs. But it is doable and solves a lot of problems. So zero trust. The next thing is cyber and IT hygiene. It sounds so basic. Bad hygiene is the downfall of most companies in the average cyber problem. It is, I've got computers that aren't patched. It's that I've lost track of my firewalls. Again, I'll go back to Sony. When they took over their security from a third party, they did not find several firewalls and other network access points. They just didn't inventory them, so they stopped caring about them. Guess what? They became a weak spot as the updates didn't happen, as the upgrades didn't happen. So. Hygiene is just about doing the day-to-day -day blocking and tackling that you need to do to keep your system up to date. It ties to technical debt. If your system is modern and, and built well, you might have to do less in the day-to-day -day hygiene. If your systems are cruddy and 15 years old and not connected well, you might be in a full-time hygiene mode. Get your folks to talk to you about the basics and not spend millions of dollars on some high-tech defense when they've, again, got the castle with the moat and the screen door in the back. Um, and a part of hygiene is educate your people. How many times do we get emails that are badly spelled, that are not grammatically correct, that come from bizarre email addresses, and people go, does that look like spam to you? Train them. Educate them. Tell them not to let people into the data center piggybacking. Tell them to be careful about the security of their facility, whether it's their home or their office. Make sure they understand that the board cares. Tone at the top leads to mood at the middle, leads to buzz at the bottom. And so make sure that people recognize that security awareness protects employees, their data, customers, and their data, and our jobs and our livelihoods. Um, and the next thing is migrate to hyperscale cloud. I mean, we're on cloud wars, so I believe in the cloud. That's why we first met, Bob. Hyperscale cloud has a lot of advantages. The, the hyperscalers, the Googles, the Microsofts, the SAPs, the Oracles, all these companies collectively spend untold tens of billions, maybe, maybe even 100 billion a year on operations and on security. They are protecting their environment to protect their millions of customers. Guess what? you get the benefit of that. So whether you've got a billion dollar IT security budget or not, Microsoft and Google 
and Amazon all do, and you get to participate. Now, there's a little but there, and the but is don't outsource your brains. Outsource your hardware, outsource your software, but don't say, well, I'm in Azure, I'm in AWS, so I don't have to think about security anymore. Um, there was a bank that was famously hacked that was in Amazon, and their argument is Amazon should have protected me. And this bank had a very large security budget and was seen as a very sophisticated company. And Amazon had carefully documented how to use their system. And from what I know, I maintain that they should have read that and they should have mitigated that deliberately placed hole in Amazon's security that will allow people to do a certain thing. So don't just say I'm in the cloud and have the board say, well, therefore you don't need to see, so you don't need any money. They're going to take care of it. Stop. I mean, keep paying attention to that. Um, and the last thing, and Bob, you know, it's another one of my soapboxes, is have somebody on the board that asks the right questions and understands those answers. That's known as a qualified technology expert. We've got a whole video devoted to that topic, so I won't rehash it in too much depth. But have somebody on your board that can walk through this kind of exercise with your CISO, with your physical security group, and then come back to the board, the audit committee, the IT committee, the risk committee, and have that thoughtful discussion. I will say again to boards, you have a duty of care. And that duty is a legal duty. And you can be, and someday somebody will be, sued in a derivative lawsuit. Again, not a lawyer, not giving legal advice, um, but it's coming. There'll be opportunities for people to go after you as a group and you as an individual director if you are not up on this stuff, asking the right questions and understand the answers. So look, we've just spent what, 20, 30 minutes on this, 30 something minutes. And there is your cybersecurity education at the board level, at the C-suite level. Could we spend five hours on this? Yes. Could we spend three days on this? Yes. Do we need to? No. This is a wake-up call. Whether it's JBS or Colonial, or Navistar, or all these other companies. It can happen to you, whoever you are. And you've got to be alert to this stuff, and you've got to be investing more than just money, investing time and energy and management attention. Well, Wayne, I think you uh, really must have had your Wheaties this morning because your, your discussions are always great. I think you really nailed it here, especially as you went through the six points of here's the what you need to do, and then a quick summary of how you need to do those things. So uh, Wayne, and the, the logic you bring to it and the business sense, the strategic sense, I remember, you know, a couple things in particular, right? That there, there's not, um, you know, multiple different things, operational security and, you know, cybersecurity over here and some other thing here, you got to see them in a, in a big picture. And I think you did a great job today, Wayne. I'm not surprised, but it was just particularly sharp today. And I think what we ought to, be sure to do is when we get the transcript of this episode, put that together in an article so that people can both listen to your words directly or also be able to read this and follow through from it. It was really, really terrific, Wayne. Thank you. And I can see why lots of um, boards of directors and CEOs want to get your help in there to, to help them ensure that they don't get in the next headline about a company that was, you know, zapped by one of these bad guys. Yeah, thank you, Bob. And I would definitely want to write this up because it is the kind of thing that you can digest 
on a short airplane ride or listen to very quickly. And as a board, you're bombarded with stuff. As a CEO, you're bombarded with stuff. Let's focus the discussion on a few simple things and make it easy for those people who may not care about looking at you and me on a video to understand it and act on it. So I'm happy to help. That sounds great, Wayne. Thanks a million. Uh, and to all of you folks out there, thanks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope your summer's off to a great start. We'll, Wayne will be back again next month with some more wonderful ideas. We hope to see you then.